everyone and welcome to this edition of the All The Anime Anime Limited Podcast. Coming to you from beautiful, grey, dull, dreary, rainy, but not snowing for once, Glasgow, Scotland. It is the 13th of April on the day we are recording this. I am Jeremy Graves and I'm joined in the office studio each and every time by one Mr. Andy Hanley. <laughs> and also joining me in the office studio are... Lauren. And... <laughs> The ever enthusiastic. <laughs> we, 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 had, we had cause of concern about your your well being last week. You need to need to sound more 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 hopeful. More, but more this upbeat. is who I am. <laughs> A pit of despair. And the man voicing the pit of despair you just heard there has returned from the land of Japan. From what well, we don't know if it was a successful trip or not, because we haven't actually spoken to him about it yet, but Mr. Keith Copping. Hello. Welcome to your season three debut. On the third episode. Yeah. Yeah. Third episode of season three. Three squared. Oh, no, I've ruined it. Needed to be three cubed. (laughs) 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 It's been a week, everybody, but we hope you've had a good week. Just to get the housekeeping out of the way, make sure you visit our website, that being alltheanime.com. There you can see the latest information on upcoming releases what we've got planned for some other bits and bobs. You can also get details on the screenings of Maquia, When the Promised Flower Blooms, taking place in Dublin and London over the next few days that will feature a Q&A with the director, Mario Carter, which is a pretty blooming rare opportunity in itself. So if you've not got your tickets yet, make sure you go to alltheanime.com, click on the Buy Cinema Tickets button on the front page, just in the middle of it. Then you can get the full details there. If you want to hit us up on social media, we are at all the anime on Facebook and Twitter. And if you want to see some videos here and there, maybe some, some trailers with some of the things we've got coming out or have already got available, youtube.com slash all the anime. And to begin proceedings, I mentioned the Macquia screenings. Uh, Andy, they're this weekend. They've come back quickly, haven't they? Yes, yeah, they have indeed. Um, so, yeah, great early opportunity to see that film and a great opportunity to hear Maria Carter talking about her work, perhaps uh, more notably given that she has a, a fantastic realm of credits as a scriptwriter and uh, has now made a directorial debut. Indeed, and a reminder everybody that this will be coming to cinemas in general in June, but if you're, if you're near London or Dublin and you can get to one of these screenings, you really don't want to miss out on it with the director being there. I know if we could all have been there, we would have done, but it is a fantastic opportunity. Oh, God, yeah. I'm not sure I could handle watching that film again, the emotion. <laughs> the feels. Oh, I'm, get, I'm getting tired of all these screenings that Andrew puts us through in the mornings of work days where I come out at the end feeling emotionally destroyed it's like thanks I've got a full afternoon of work ahead after that some might say oh the perils of the job of working in anime but you know (laughs) you get to watch a cartoon in the morning oh how tough for you (laughs) it is when it emotionally crushes you at like 9am but yeah fantastic opportunity so if you can get to either of those screenings we implore you to do so and more details on our theatrical screenings in June for Macquia will be coming in the in the coming weeks and months. Soon. Soon. That's, that's yeah, soon. Coming they, soon. Yeah, so, there you go. Some, somebody should trade by that. <laughs> there you go. Soon, <laughs> soon, or Blizzard soon. <laughs> well, hey, could be like Gene Simmons from Kiss where he tries to trademark the phrase OJ. Why? Because everyone says, oh, I'll have a glass of OJ. Or rather, I say everyone, Americans mostly, oh, from what I gather. But, but why, say OJ. why him? Like, what's his... Gene Simmons is one of those guys in the world of rock and roll who... Bit of a dick. At, at the best of times, he's a bit of a bellend, if I'm being totally honest. Like, he also tried to, to trademark... You know... I've got to figure out how to articulate this now on a podcast. You know when Spider-Man likes to throw out his webbing? 
he kind of does the devil horn sign. Yeah. But then he kind of has the thumb out because, you know, he wants to look a bit rad or something. Gene Simmons tried to trademark that. Suffice to say, the internet trolled him to no end. I'm pretty sure that's how you say I love you in sign language, so... <laughs> <laughs> but that, maybe that's why Gene Simmons wanted to write a love song but wanted to trademark it. So does that mean Spider-Man is just spreading his love? Yeah. <laughs> well, so. it'll make sense now. It'll make sense. <laughs> oh, speaking Good. of which, what about that Spider-Man game that's coming out soon? I, you might not have seen anything about it because you were in Japan, weren't you? Yeah, I am completely out of the loop on everything. Yeah, March was basically lost in travel and events and shows. Lost in the annals of time. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm tensively excited for that game. Like, everything I've seen about it looks like it should be cool and they're saying all the right things about it, but at the same time, the history of Spider-Man games is a long and storied franchise and most of the stories are this isn't very good. So I'm hoping this is one of the good ones that gets it right. That could be worse. It could be a Sonic fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that this game may end up being the the Arkham City equivalent for this generation or yeah. the Arkham franchise equivalent. Yeah, yeah, that seems to be what they're going for and they've... They seem to have figured out like what people liked from the previous games that worked, and they're trying to kind of you know, I web slinging that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the, the traversal has to be good is the core thing. It's like there was a there was an old wrestling game on the PlayStation One. Like most of the time, you think of a wrestling video game, you're you're in a wrestling ring. But no, World Championship Wrestling, aka WCW, decided to make one called WCW Backstage Assault, where the entire game took place backstage, and was you were there doing an assault involved because I'm not sure that's the kind of game yeah, you're basically you hitting play. people with weapons. Oh, and, right. And car okay. doors. It was basically a fighting game backstage at a wrestling event. So it's not, and boy, so, was it crap. So it's not a court procedural drama then about. It would have been better if it had been that. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But, uh, but yes, so recent releases, folks, out now to add to your collection if you've not done so already is the standard Blu ray of Prison School. If you've been holding out on buying that series, you can now release yourself and pick it up in the shop. <laughs> I apologise for nothing. <laughs> Can totally make it up for lost time on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, I've got a, I've, I've got a lot of trash to get out of my system. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, let, let's do this. And of course, don't forget the last week it was the releases of Momotaro, Sacred Sailors, and The Testament of Sister New Devil season one. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Laura. <laughs> In terms of upcoming releases. This coming Monday, that being the 16th of April, depending on when you're listening to this, Assassination Classroom Season 2 Part 2 finally arrives on Blu-ray and DVD, as well as the standard Blu-ray of Persona 3 Movie 2 Midsummer Night's Dream. Then on the 30th of April, it is the series Kiss Him, Not Me, available... <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys behave? <laughs> Available on DVD and Blu-ray. Then Erased Part 2, everybody. Yes, it is arriving at the end of this month on Blu-ray, uh, limited edition Blu-ray DVD and standard DVD as well. And of course, that's why I believe we talked about last week, Andy, but correct me if I'm wrong, because a lot's happened in the last week. Uh, also, Mind Game is going to be coming out on Blu-ray at the end of the month. Yes, indeed we did. Yes, we talked about that last week. I said it was good. It's not good, so you should still buy it. There you go. Then... As we go into May, everybody, gotta gotta give you a, a week or two's break. We thought, you know, we'd help save your wallets for a few days. So the 14th of May, it will be Persona 3 Movie 3 Standard Edition Blu-ray. But then come the end of May, easy way to put it is shit kicks off. So we will have more details about what you can expect come the end of May on next week's show. That being said, though, before next week's show, if you're paying attention to our website, there may be some news regarding an upcoming release or two. Hint, tease, yes. 
And uh, speaking of some news, Andy, some recent announcements. Last week, we talked about the fact that we have acquired the rights for Tokyo Ghoul RE and Lupin the Third Part 5, of which the first two episodes are now available to watch on Crunchyroll, everybody. So if you've got a subscription there, make sure you hit up the Crunchyroll and check out both of those episodes for each series. But we've had two more announcements to make since then. And it began last weekend, the day after the podcast posted, Andy, because you had some exciting news to share to the fine folks on the Saturday, didn't you? Yes, indeed I did. And that is that uh, we have acquired uh, Persona 5, the animation. Uh, we're not involved in the simulcast. That is down to Anaplex of America. But we do have other digital and perhaps most importantly for people listening, home video rights. So we will be releasing it uh, at some point in the, the somewhat far from future. Um, but so yeah, Persona 5 uh, will be coming to the UK via us, which I'm very excited about because I love the game and the first episode of the anime adaptation seems pretty good. So. Yeah, I've not had a chance to watch it yet, but I know you've got a chance to actually watch it and uh, it seems to have got people excited for it from, from the rumblings I've seen online. Yeah, yeah, like it certainly is, you know, it's early days, but it's, it's a good... It's a good solid start in terms of how it's adapted things. It's it's always interesting, like when you come from, especially when it's so recent, like from a video game to an anime adaptation. I mean, Persona Four, there was a big gap between like game and anime, whereas this time, I believe parts of the anime were actually produced before the game was finished because that's when they had to start working oh, wow. on it. So there's actually yeah, there's kind of quite a weird sort of timeline in a sense. But you know, watching the adaptation, there are always moments like, oh, okay, I didn't think they'd handle this particular point this way. Or other little bits where, you know, they can add in a little bit of an extra tease to, you know, stuff that comes later. But overall, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's well directed. It kind of makes good use of some of the, the visual trappings of that game. And uh, it seems, uh, seems good so far. In terms of how much story it covered, if it did at all, did it cover a lot in that first episode? Or um, from what you can recall? Because I know you said you played the game completely. Yeah, I- yeah, I mean, the, the game, Persona games are always kind of a slow burn in terms of setup. Like, there's always a, a long, long road of kind of setting up the characters, the world, who you are, why you're there, etc., etc. So, in those terms, it gets through quite a bit, but it's not a huge... It's not a huge amount, but it's, it's hit the ground running. Like, it's got to an interesting point right off the bat. You know, it could easily have spent a few episodes just slowly building up some of this stuff, but it's actually pretty good at just setting it up nice and quickly, but in a way that still kind of gives you a good cue as to everything that's going on, and it sort of got to the, the point of, of the, the first big reveal, if you like, of, of the, the game. So it's, it's covered a decent amount in episode one. Nice, and you can watch that now at Crunchyroll, everybody. Then, later in the week, we made an announcement I know we've all been excited about in terms of when we could actually finally talk about it. And now we can, because Full Metal Panic Invisible Victory is ours. Victory is ours, Keith! Indeed it is. My excitement is overflowing, which, despite my deadpan tone, is true, because I love Full Metal Panic. It's so good. With a passion, and I'm so happy to see more being made and that we get to put it out. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be simulcasting on Crunchyroll, everybody. At the time that we're recording, the time slash date has not been announced, but... We're expecting it to be imminent, so... Depends on when the Lambda driver kicks in. Exactly, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, so keep an eye on Crunchyroll's channels. They will have the details as to when you can watch the first episode and subsequent episodes each and every week. But on the Full Metal Panic trench, we were talking a little bit about it in the office yesterday because um, I started doing a rewatch of the original series because I haven't watched it in flipping ages. And I finished the whole first season now, but still got to rewatch Second Raid. But the thing I sort of mentioned vaguely in the office was I forgot how much of a dick Galron was. <laughs> and we just started talking about, oh yeah, he's like turbo dick. Well, yeah, he's, he's like the villain. Of course he's a dick. 
But sometimes you... The thing I remembered about Garon most is I remember him being a, a really, really good villain, but I forgot the level of some of the stuff that he did. And oh, just... yeah, he is a nasty piece of shit, mm. that boy. He is, he is just proper, proper horrible, and he doesn't really care. Mm. And, uh, but yes, yeah, so I started watching Second Raid, and, uh, and then lo and behold, Andy suddenly told me over the course of a, basically a weekend, oh yeah, I've watched all of Full Metal Panic Season 1 and Second Raid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I watched, yeah, I basically watched 12 episodes a day for two days over the weekend to catch up on Season 1, and then I, I watched... I can't help but notice that you've missed out the, the very highly, uh, you know, plot-dependent uh, for Muffin. Yes, yeah, yeah, I mean... I mean watched... how, how are you going to keep up with that highly cerebral yeah. series? <laughs> I have watched that yeah, as well. I was very tempted to watch that as well but that might have been a little too much for Metal Panic even for me <laughs> uh, so yeah so I watched all of the, the first season in two days watched all of the second season similarly I, I, I toned it down I only watched six episodes a night for that um, so well, well we're steady on now <laughs> yeah so I, I kind of I, I went a bit easy on myself there but yeah it's a really good show like there's so much of that that I'd forgotten because I actually thought it wasn't that long ago that I'd last rewatched season one and then I figured out it was like six years ago or something like that, so it was actually a long time, so it was really nice to, to revisit it, and uh, yeah, a, a very good time was had, as evidenced by me watching 12 episodes in, in one go, because that wasn't the original plan. I was, <laughs> was going to watch it at a far more leisurely pace, but then I kind of couldn't stop myself, which, which says it all, really. Yeah, it's always a sign of a good show. Mm, I think I was, gonna, I was aiming to try and watch six or seven episodes a night while I was watching it, but then I just got sucked in, and then I finished the, the first arc in season one then there's like a couple of school based filler episodes I guess and then it goes into like the next bit and it was it was ironically I managed to actually break it up in a way that, that worked very well but uh, like you say it's a sign of a good show when you just feel you have to binge watch it mm. and Full Metal Panic is always one of those shows that it's just great material no matter when you watch it and worth mentioning as well, everybody, if you've not seen Full Metal Panic or you want to check it out on Blu-ray, we have released the first three seasons that we mentioned, that being season one for Mofu and then the second raid, and all of those are available on Blu-ray right now. So if you want to have a, a good old binge catch-up with, uh, with, in <laughs> with Invisible Victory uh, looming imminently, then, then you can. Visit alltheanime.com or wherever DVDs and Blu-rays are sold. No doubt they'll have them there. If they don't, let them know you want it. I know a guy at the end of the street has a big coat. Is he called HMV? <laughs> yeah, they've fallen on hard times in my neck of the woods. It's uh, no, no, no bricks and mortar store, just a guy in a trench coat. <laughs> so you want any anime? In that voice. Yeah. <laughs> Opens jacket. Yeah. It's like, wow. Somehow, somehow there's an ultimate edition in that jacket. <laughs> uh, but uh, other things to note, everybody. Uh, by the time you are hearing this, everyone, we will have launched a new special offer for the week on our alltheanime.com webshop. And it's one for you Sword Art Online fans out there, because if you've been wanting to get your hands on Season 2, but the collector's editions maybe weren't your thing, or you were holding up for the possibility down the line of there being a standard edition release, we have got you covered, because we are bringing Sword Art Online Season 2 to standard edition Blu-ray over four parts, but for this week only, we have got a bundle offer where you can get all four of those parts along with that really cool looking exclusive art box that comes with part one that is a limited edition box as well. You can get that for a special price at our alltheanime.com web shop, so make sure you head over to there right now, visit the special offer section, and grab yourself a bargain. Yes, you should do that. Catch up, <laughs> second season, bye. <laughs> and of course, let's not forget that at the end of next month, Ordinal Scale arrives. So. It's almost like we're, we're willing you to want to buy Season 2 in preparation for Ordinal Scale being available. 
Yeah, get yourself up to speed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was awkward. Uh, what is on we the just blog? kind of reached that end of the week stage, and it's just like, oh. What, what, what more is there to say about Sword Art Online that hasn't been said already? It's, exactly. It's good. Exactly. Go watch it. I love that mother mother's Rosario arc. It's so good. Yeah, it is. It is some of my favorite my favorite art by far. Well, of all anime or just uh, of, of Sword Art Online? Yeah, let's not get crazy. <laughs> What's on the blog, everybody? If you want to have some reading material to keep you busy for a few minutes, maybe you've got a commute or something, we have got a blog post about the series Kiss Him, Not Me by Roxy Simons. We've got a very interesting piece, actually. It's, it's the third of, of a trilogy of posts looking at UK anime journalism. We've done ones before on, I believe it was Manga Max and some of the other old anime magazines. Yeah, that's going back a while. Mm, this one is about the 14 years of Neo Magazine. So if you want to learn about that and sort of where it falls into the pantheon of UK anime journalism in the print world, that is the place to go. Doesn't that make them the longest running now? Yes, it yeah, does indeed. Like quite a long way, I think. Yeah, well. not, not a bad achievement, really. Mm. Mm. Also makes me feel incredibly old, because I can remember when they launched that. Uh, <laughs> we don't call you old man Hanley for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we mentioned it last week, everybody, but following the news of Isa Takahata's passing, if you've not read the piece by Andrew Osmond on our blog yet, we really encourage you to do so, because it is a fascinating read, reading about his career and everything that he achieved throughout his storied life. So, looking at some things from around the world, i.e. the UK, I guess. Spring simulcast. The spring season has begun. I've continued watching Fist of, Fist of the Blue Sky, which is wonderfully, wonderfully bad CG. And Fist of the North Star, that universe in CG set during World War II that also now features French and German soldiers shooting up each other, as it were. It is... <laughs> All right, <laughs> all right, bad phrasing, but you know what I mean? They, they, they collide, and the, the depiction of French and German soldiers in this universe is something to behold. But, uh, but finally, we also got some, some near fighting in this episode. I was very happy. I needed some Fist of the North Star-based fighting, and I nearly got some. See, I didn't, I didn't realise this was set in World War II. I'm kind of slightly more sold on it now. You, yeah, Fist of the Blue Sky is a prequel to the Fist of the North Star original, I guess is the way to put it. So, well, to be correct, in, in the opening to the show, it says, the year is, is 193X. Oh, okay. <laughs> so at oh, some okay. point during the 1930s, as I said. So it's set during the war, but before the eventual mega war that leaves <laughs> yeah. the North Star universe in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Indeed. But, uh, that's that like, is an interesting approach, yeah. I know, yeah. but it's good fun. It's still weird. I mentioned this last week as well, but... Uh, it's interesting that apparently this is continuing on from a previous Fist of the Blue Sky story or series. So I've got no knowledge what happened before, but so far I'm not too lost. I can sort of go, they clearly know each other. Clearly they had a fling or something. So, I'll just roll so with it. So they've they put in enough context that you can put two and two together. Oh no, not at all. I'm just, put, I'm, just I'm, I'm, put, I'm, doing, I'm doing what most people do in life, put two and two together and you get 12. That would explain a lot about our recent political situation. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. But uh, another show I'm really looking forward to starting to watch because I love the first season is A Manchu. I can't wait to start watching that. But there's loads of other stuff that's been going on. So Andy, bring us up to speed. What are some of the things that you've been watching? Yes, I mean, as, as per usual, I've been watching a shitload of stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the two things that kind of stand out to me thus far, I mean, one of them was kind of the obvious one for me, um, is Steins Gate Zero, um, mm. which you know, I was really excited and hyped about before... You know, we even got to this anime adaptation. I loved the visual novel, um, and the first episode was really good. Like, 
good use of that source material. It's got a good atmosphere to it. It's, it seems to be kind of well presented. So uh, yeah, definitely very much on board with that. So Steins Gate Zero, I'm really looking forward to watching it as well. I just haven't had a chance yet, but Again, forgive me if we talked about this last week, but there's a weird continuity thing going on with this, isn't there? Yeah, so basically, if you've watched just the the anime series and not played the game or kind of managed to find, in inverted commas, the OVA that kind of bridges the first series in Zero... So if you've only watched the series that Manga Entertainment released... Yeah, there. if you've only watched that, you, you're going to have to kind of readjust a little because rather than, obviously, like that... Sh that series ends on like one of the good endings. So, you know, everything's kind of okay at the end, which would have made for a pretty boring sequel because like, well, everything's fine. You know? <laughs> we'll just, I don't know, cook some bananas in a microwave because why not? Um, whereas um, Steins Gate Zero is actually set, basically follows on from one of the bad endings of the game. So all is not well in the world um, and, you know, things have happened and characters have been impacted as, re as a result of it. So it kind of starts off in a place. And, and to be fair, the first episode kind of gives you a good look at that because its very first scene kind of takes you into like the far-flung future of like 2030-something and says, okay, this is a situation here in kind of what was basically the end point of Steins Gate that they were trying to avoid. And then it kind of goes back to the present day to show where things are at now. Um, but yeah, so like if, if you've not played the game and all the endings thereof or kind of found the, the OVA that kind of they've used to bridge the two which unfortunately isn't available yet um, it might be a little confusing but I think it does a it does a decent job of kind of setting up where the world is at in a way that you can probably figure it out because I mean even the original series that's you know available on home video and, and streaming over here is uh, you know it, it goes through a lot of different permutations before it hits kind of you know the the, the route that they're aiming for, the world line that they're aiming for. So you can kind of probably piece together pretty quickly where things ended up and where things went wrong to get to where Zero starts. Did you keep up with that, Keith? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good. They're really, really looking forward to watching that. But what's another show you've been checking out? Um, yeah, so the other show that I'm really hot on, it's kind of the only show that's really got two episodes out at the time of recording this, is uh, Megalobox, which again, we touched on briefly last week. Um... And I guess if I wanted to pitch it in a sentence, it's red line with boxing. <laughs> so, that is an interesting pitch. Yeah, so, so basically it's, it's effectively like a kind of a futuristic cyberpunk slash sort of sci-fi kind of almost slightly Blade Runner-esque reboot of Ashton Joe, uh, aka Tomorrow's Joe, like a classic boxing series. And so it's basically about boxing, but it's boxing with kind of like a sort of upper body-like powered suit. So like you have this kind of additional sort of like hydraulic system effectively that lets you punch harder. Um, and it follows a boxer who is effectively... He's pretty talented as a boxer, but he's basically been paid to like throw matches in this sort of like underground boxing kind of establishment so you know much like red lines titular character you know he's he's got the talent but he's being paid pretty well just to throw matches and to, to lose a lot um but there's this big boxing tournament that's kind of being set up and you know he sets his sights on it and stuff happens but you know it is so it has that kind of the same sort of trajectory as, as red line in terms of like character development has a really interesting look to it because it's very clearly like a modern production with all of the trappings of a modern anime but it's been given this kind of sheen and this look to it that also makes it feel really old school like there's a look to it that feels like a kind of 80s OVA almost and it's kind of 
it's like a blend of like post-processing effects and just how they've animated and kind of coloured things and even the character designs. So it's this weirdly kind of appealing amalgamation of the stuff you liked about older anime and how that looks, but also all the kind of modern stuff that makes anime today look good. So like it has a real nice style to it. It's got a really, really good soundtrack. It kind of reminds me also a little bit more of like Samurai Champloo. Like there's a bunch of like hip hop stuff and what have you mixed in with a whole bunch of other kind of genres. But it's just like thus far it's had the whole package. Like it's had really good sort of sports anime kind of stuff of, you know, kind of strong character coming from, you know, the, the almost literal undergrounds to, you know, try and, and be a, a champion boxer. It's got the kind of the sci-fi slash cyberpunky element, which looks really cool and sort of has something going for it. Um, and it just has the, the, the visual and uh, an audio style to, to kind of power it along at, at the same time. So yeah, like very much into that two episodes in. I want to check it out myself. Yeah, it does sound interesting. Where's that streaming? Uh, that is on Crunchyroll. Nice. Uh, as is Steins Gate Zero, correct? Uh, yes, Steins Gate Zero is also on Crunchyroll. Awesome. So, uh, Lauren, mm. uh, anything you've seen over the past week or so? Or anything to note? Um, I went to go see Mirror and the Witch's Flower. Oh, cool. How was that? Because that was being shown in the cinema, correct? Yes, I went to go see it at the Senior World in Glasgow. It was, it was good. Um, it's very pretty, but it, it is more or less a Ghibli film without the warm and fuzzies. Is the only way I can okay. describe it. Like, it. It was pretty, but it didn't make me feel anything. <laughs> there were no feels involved. There were no feels, unfortunately. But it was very pretty, so I would still go and see it. And there were actually subtitles at it. Oh, yeah. yeah we did hear that there were a few screenings around the UK where the subtitles just didn't work. Ooh. Yeah. What was the demographic of the audience like, would you say? It was busy, but I was surprised how many kids were at it. Like really? Okay. Families. I don't know, that sounds weird. Word in it. Actual families. <laughs> Pretend families. <laughs> They're all just paid to go there. So yeah. I don't know, this is my real child. <laughs> Let me go! <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, Marion, which it is an interesting film because it's the first film from Studio Ponoc, which is basically a bunch of ex Ghibli staffers. So it is effectively a Ghibli film in a lot of ways. I mean, it's directed by Yonobayashi, who's also a Ghibli director. Um, but yeah, like it very much follows that Ghibli mold. Um, but yeah, you're kind of right. It doesn't have like the emotional resonance that a lot of the classic Ghibli films have. It's sort of. I mean, I've seen people talking about it on Twitter that have kind of suggested, like, it's not really about anything at the end of the day. Like, you look at Spirited Away or My Neighbor Totoro or, like, the classic Ghibli films, they have kind of an underpinning that, like, they have a story or a moral or something that they yeah, want well, to Mi- talk Miyazaki about. Miyazaki always has a clear message. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, and, like, all of his best films always kind of have that as a real kind of deeper thing that you can delve into beyond, like, the surface level. This is really pretty and some cool stuff happens. Whereas, kind of, Marion Witch's Wife feels like it's missing that layer. So it's really gorgeous looking and, you know, it's cool to watch, but, yeah, it doesn't have that kind of hook that will kind of make you want to keep coming back to it perhaps in in the same way they did try to um yeah have like a message behind it though i mean like when i went to go see it in the cinema they had um two interviews at the start of it which totally threw me off i was like i'm not cool with this <laughs> it's like i've not even seen it and you're going to tell me everything that happens and but like more or less their message was she hates her red curly hair but later on she's cool with it mm. And that, that's the extent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So, actually, as I thought, because you mentioned that, like, quite a lot of families there, do you reckon there were any there that didn't know it was going to be subtitled? Because I assume it was a subtitled film. Well, you said you saw it subtitled, but in yeah, general, was, I guess they only it showed it. It was only subtitled. Japanese. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just curious to know maybe where, it, where any families walked out because they suddenly saw a subtitle and freaked. No. Yeah, I, I, I think I think to be fair, they message it quite well that all these preview screenings were subtitled only. I think the plan is for its theatrical release in May time. It's going to have some dubbed screenings as well. Which oh, cool! Is, is, that's basically going to be kind of like the main theatrical run, and this was like a preview day. Did Did you get a, a freebie out of it? No. Oh, okay, because some of the cinemas had like some of the cinemas, <laughs> some of the cinemas yeah had prints and stuff that were really cool of like yes. you know artwork so and storyboards. Yeah, but not in Glasgow. Clearly, well, it's on the wall. So. Yeah, because a few people were tagging us. In, in, in the post thinking we put out the film oh, <laughs> which, which we, we hadn't but thank you very much though but it, it wasn't us But we, we have put out a lot of film but, mm. uh, but but this one in particular is not us no, this is at Altitude Films so uh, they can I think take the take the credit for that one so if you didn't get a freebie tweet them <laughs> <laughs> basically Altitude social media guys that thanks a bunch <laughs> <laughs> so Keith you have returned from, from the land of Japan I have how was the trip for you? Because it's the first time you've ever been there. I know it's always been a dream of yours to be able to go. So, so tell us some of the, the highlights, any randomness, things you noticed. Uh, I think first off, yeah, Tokyo. I have never been to a city like that in my life. It is something else entirely. And yeah, I discovered that every sci-fi film I've ever watched with a futuristic city, that is basically Tokyo. <laughs> it just is. End of. It's <laughs> like every time you turned the corner, you went, oh, that looks familiar. It's not so much that, it's just, you, in all these films, you know, they have these, like, uh, OTT, high, you know, highly technological, very busy cityscapes, and it's just like, yeah, yeah, that is, that is Tokyo. Just, it's, it's, yeah, just so crowded, busy, colourful, and just mad and futuristic. So you you actually went to Anime Japan during your trip, didn't you? Because that was part of the reason why you went out there. Yes, yes, I did. How was that as an experience? Because you went the year before last, Andy, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, a couple of years ago I went out there. Mm. So how, how was the experience for you? So give us a, an idea as to what it was like. Well, that's the thing. I, I, I've had a few people on my social media when I was posting about it just sort of going, oh, what did you think? Did you really like it? And I was just like... It's just another trade show, and I do so many of those through work anyway. The one main difference is, uh, no, no offence to the uh, bodies at MCM, because I know action is being taken on that front, but it was just like any other big MCM-style event, but uh, all the merch there was legitimate, as opposed to uh, the bootleg issue that some events uh, in the UK have that they're trying to crack down on there. Yeah, it was all legitimate stuff, which was a refreshing change. But other than other than that, it was just it was just another trade show that happened to be in Japan. And so, so it was it was cool and all, but it was just like I, I see this regularly mm. every year. In terms of its presentation, was there any particular difference between the way that is presented compared to say an MCM? Like for example, is it clear there was a massive budget difference from the way booths are presented and stuff, or anything yeah, particular there are, like that? Yeah, so a lot of the booths at that one they were far larger and had a lot more stuff going on. There's a lot more of a kind of live show element. I know hmm. at Anime Japan as well, there'll be a lot more kind of uh, company stages or... I mean, they, they have the usual kind of uh, stages like you find at an MCM event, but they're also on the stands, there'll also be stages as well where they'll often have like... Uh, voice. They'll be having uh, talks with voice actors or directors, so there's a lot more of that. I mean, there was one show, I'm not... 
I'm not sure what it was for. I think it was for some live uh, show out in Japan, but they had what I presume was the cast putting on some kind of live show in front of the audience, and that was really energetic and exhausting to watch. (laughs) (laughs) In terms of navigating the show floor, was that an easy experience, or was that quite a headache? From your perspective, both being obviously a non-Japanese speaker, but also just in just in general walking around, how was that as an experience? Honestly, pretty easy, because generally the, there was uh, a lot more bigger stands, so a lot of the stuff is a lot more landmarky. so I didn't really have any issue finding my way around. It was, yeah, again, it's just another trade show. It's just, it happens to be out in Tokyo. Hmm. In terms of other stuff you did, what are some of the other random highlights that you did, or random occurrences that, that, that you encountered did you mortally offend anyone no I managed to avoid mortally offending anyone both out in public and with all the business people who I've been communicating with via email for years getting to meet them in person <laughs> didn't manage didn't manage to offend anyone as far as I'm aware so that was good so no issues there now I, I think what I enjoyed most is when I when, when I got to explore the city a bit and go elsewhere plus I think the highlight of the whole trip was uh, got to go to the Ghibli Museum nice yeah, absolutely cool. fantastic did, did, did you get to see one of the shorts there? yeah god oh god which, yes which, which one did they have? Uh, as I discovered it was a new one that had just literally debuted <gasps> in the last couple of days it was one, it's one about a little caterpillar right yes okay well a lot of people are going to be jealous about you for that then <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so that was... that was. You are the uh, envy of most people <laughs> listening to this right now. So yeah, that was adorable, because there was no actual dialogue in that yeah. one. It was just, like, noises, which was highly entertaining. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a lot of the, the... I think especially the newer ones of those, they've made very deliberately, knowing that there's going to be an international audience that goes to that museum, and they make them so that they're not well, that's Japanese. The, well, that's the, well, the kind of more kid focus of Ghibli in general it was quite entertaining watching that one because there was a lot of kids Mm. in the screening where we were watching and it was it was quite entertaining hearing them all burst into laughter through it all because one of the scenes during this short this caterpillar is freshly hatched and it's uh, trying to feed around where a lot of its bigger cousins Mm. who've been already out for a while are eating and suddenly this kind of weird round raisin like thing drops by it and it's like, what? And then you look around and there's basically all these large caterpillars above them are just pooping where they're eating and pooping. And that caused a lot of laughter amongst the kids because it's like, there's poop yeah. everywhere. Yeah, no, you already... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have, have they got a cat bus that grown-ups can clamber on yet? No, no. When I tried, <laughs> when I tried to get on the kids' one, they threatened to throw me out. Yeah, really? That was... I can believe that happening for some reason. No, if you're an adult, you're not allowed on the on the. Oh, campus. literally, you're not allowed. Yeah, there. no, and they do have people there to stop you. Yeah, that that, that was the major disappointment of the, the entire group that I was with. Like, oh, it's a cat bus. Oh, we're not allowed on it because they're, right they're seeing the life size Laputa robot was absolutely yeah, fantastic. Really cool. Yeah. Any other places particularly you visited, or that or that left an impression on you? I know that there was a picture going around of you on your on your Facebook of you inside what appeared to be a bookstore in perhaps a a less savoury section for a laugh. I wasn't actually in the less savoury oh, section of okay. photo, no, no, but yeah, obviously I hit all the tourist trap geeky areas, because, you know, hit as many as I could in the short amount of time I had, because why not, when am I going to mm. be out there again? Yeah, there's just so much stuff, and it was just like, oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, I managed to hit most of the uh, major geeky areas, also took in like uh, Tokyo, uh, Tokyo Tower and the Sky Tree, and yeah, 
Tokyo Marble Chocolate has lied to me. <laughs> Try to run between those two landmarks. You're not doing that in less than five minutes. That's a dirty goddamn lie. That's like in Thor Dark World when you've got the underground thing of how do I get to Charing Cross? Oh yeah, and is there like, 30 seconds later? Yeah, it's like, yeah, no. no. <laughs> Objection. Maybe, maybe, maybe you can do it if you've got a tiny donkey on hand. Maybe or, or, or like in the uh, Highlander anime where he rides from Northern England, aka Scotland, to Stonehenge in about a minute. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's that kind of magical distance. How, how, how did you find it? Did you have a preference between Tokyo Town and the Sky Tree? Because that's one that I didn't get to check out when I was there. I didn't get to get to either of those. I... Oh, that's... I'm torn actually. The Sky Tree was magnificent, but also because it's newer, it is way more expensive yeah. to go all the way up on. So I only went halfway up on that one, and even the halfway point is taller yeah. than Tokyo Tower. Now, I enjoy Tokyo Tower more because they have a bit more of a kind of the. Because I went all the way to the top mm. on that one, and they have the tour for that one is a bit more of a personal experience because you do it in stages and they kind of give you a drink on the way up, and they do this. <laughs> Yeah, it's all very nice, and when you get to the top, they've they've done it out now. So, because the room at the top is actually quite small, but mm. they've basically just coated it in mirrors, so it feels much larger as a result. And you get these fantastic views across the city, which I think just goes on forever because you cannot see the edge. In terms of navigating Tokyo, if you know, I appreciate you were out there with Andrew, Cat, and other people as well. But how was it navigating? for you when you're on your own. Could you get by easily? Did you get lost at any point? Well, I will sing the praises of the City Planner app because that makes uh, planning trips out and getting to places much, much easier. But I have a reasonably solid sense of direction, but Tokyo is just this... Because everywhere is just so busy and frantic looking, I have never got so turned around in a city as I have in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, thanks to the aid of some very good... uh, city mapping apps I was able to find my way around but without that you know if it had been like five ten years ago where there hadn't been as you know smartphones weren't quite as prevalent and those things weren't around I would probably have had some real issues yeah. trying to find my way yeah. around yeah I mean I, I, I was very glad that I got a, a Wi-Fi dongle for my trip there because oh God, between yeah. Google Maps and just traversing the, the train system there you know it's it's not difficult, but it can be tricky, and it's nice just to have that backup to rely on because yeah, yeah plus, like plus you say, the it's bizarre, easy to... the bizarre way Japanese stores work. I would not have found any of the shops otherwise. Yeah, because I didn't I didn't realize with Japanese stores, unlike in the UK where you have like chain things like Debenhams, House of Fraser, you know what you're getting. The way the department stores seem to work out there is the buildings are owned by a company and then the space inside is just leased out to whoever wants to have a shop. Oh, okay. So it's like going into an office building with, you know, just like a listing on the ground floor atrium area and you have to find what you're after and then go up to the right bit. So perhaps the question I know a few people listening just may be wondering, what's the most expensive thing you bought? (laughs) (laughs) AKA, which Gundams did you buy? (laughs) I didn't actually buy any Gundams oh. out there. I, I uh, restrained myself on that front. I think the most expensive single thing I bought was at the Ghibli Museum, where I got this beautiful, beautiful uh, metal statuette of the Laputa robot, which is going to take pride of place in my cabinet at home. That is that is gorgeous, but I bought so much other stuff. Okay, well, let's <laughs> I, had to, I had to buy a second suitcase coming back. Let's do it a different way then. How much money did you not spend? I think I pretty much burned through my whole budget. <laughs> and then some. So, yeah. 
And I'm not going to mention what that budget was. No, no, obviously. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, and in terms of food, any food highlights for you at all? Oh, God, all the food is fantastic. Plus, their convenience store food is un freaking believe that's yeah. the thing I'm missing most about being back here the I'm, easy access to all sorts of awesome food yeah I'm still missing that two years later like I'm still like why can't we have a convenience store where I can just get omelette rice or whatever and then or just cooking, I, 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 I love the way I they do these fancy pat on onigiris as well where the packaging's yeah. then where you take off the plastic and it's kept the uh, nori separate from the rice yeah. until you open it's, it and then it's just like oh. <laughs> it's, it's like they've had many years of planning oh to do that. god it was great yeah, I, I'm missing. I am missing all the food options from out there because there were so many. It's probably the healthiest business trip you've had. I imagine since you started working here. Well, yes and no. The amount that I ate when I was out there, you could probably say otherwise, but probably offset by the amount of walking I did around the city. Mm. So, so you didn't like a Fitbit or something just to track how many miles you were doing each day? No, my feet and aching back were testament to quite how much <laughs> I was doing on that because God, that city is enormous. Mm. Thank God for the transport network, right? <laughs> Well, no doubt when Andrew and Kat, uh, and Jessica actually, when, when they have all returned uh, eventually, uh, they will regale in more tales of Japan. But, uh, but before we round out, guys, uh, anything else to note in general? Be it, be it Anime Limited related, anything else you've seen, done, experienced? Actually, going back to Turkey, I'm going to relate the stupidest thing that I purchased. Oh, go on then. We can, uh, I'll tell you what, hold that thought then. Anything else? Because otherwise we'll wrap up with that. No, I, I think we need to end with that. Okay, then. No, cool. Okay, well, the first thing isn't stupid. It's, I mean, I'm a massive fan of El Hazard, The Magnificent World. <laughs> you really are? Yeah, I am. And when I was out there, I basically picked up a copy of the Blu-ray collector's edition. That they you actually out. found it out there? <laughs> yeah, because... Uh, they have, they have the English dub track on there. Mm -hmm. So and as I discovered when I got home, the Blu-rays have been encoded as such. They work on my PS4. <laughs> Happy about that. But yeah, then when I was in one of the second-hand shops, though, with Andrew, Jessica, and Cat, uh, Andrew comes on and says, "Come here, Jessica's found something." I'm like, "Okay, go around." <laughs> And they had a laser disc section. Oh my god! Now I don't have a laser disc player, but they had all of El Hazard on laser disc for less than a tenner. So I bought that. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm going to frame them all on my wall because of the uh, just like LP cover frames, and just uh, yeah, have them all up on the wall. So that's probably the stupidest thing I purchased. I purchased a laser disc copy of a show I'd already bought on Blu-ray when I got so a laser disc player. You might be one of the only English people that have gone out there who have. One of your, because I know one of the things you were going to look for out there was El Hazard. Yeah, if you yeah. found it, you were going to buy it. But you came back with two copies of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty rad, actually. Yeah, I think less than a ten, and why not? Go mm. for it. Were the laser discs in general that cheap, or was it that just like an exception? Uh, it depended on the show, but yeah, I, I restrained myself from buying all of the Desco as well, because that was a little more expensive. How many volumes was that over? Because it's like a 24, 25 app show, mm. it was like. I think it was what 12 volumes i think it was like at least 12 sleeves worth and mm. i was like i've got enough in my luggage as it mm. is so. laser discs are like the anime equivalent of vinyl that's the thing when it comes to how they're packaged and being able to frame them yeah so i'm just gonna frame those el hazard covers on my walls cool and on that note everybody we are gonna wrap up but thank you very much for listening we hope you enjoyed the show we'll be back next week with another show in the meantime, make sure you hit up alltheanime.com, as I mentioned at the top of the show, for the latest information on our upcoming releases and cinema screenings as well. Make sure you, you let us know what you thought of the show and any other questions you have in general on Facebook and Twitter, that being at AllTheAnime. 
And if you want to watch some videos and stuff, youtube.com slash all the anime. If you are going to the screenings of Maquia in Dublin and London, we hope you have a fantastic time. Do let us know if you were there. Share some pictures of you going there and such. Let us know you were there because we really want to hear from you guys. And from, from all of us, Team Anime Limited, we are signing off. Have a fantastic weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.